The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Minnesota may be the land of 10,000 lakes, but we have 11,000. And guess what? Five of them are great. It's Great Lakes Celebrates with your host, Elena Gonzalez. Every week we celebrate noteworthy Michiganders. I'm Mike Bobbitt. Think of me as the salt in your better maid. And she's the bubbles in your burners. It's Elena Gonzalez. Mike, it is starting to get a little warmer. Yeah, we can enjoy the three weeks of nice weather. (laughs) Allison wants to get a swimming pool, and I cannot figure out why. I love Michigan. Mm -hmm. It's great. I just don't think it is a state worth owning a swimming pool in, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I could I guess. Is she a big swimmer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Allison was uh a lifeguard. Oh and uh, yeah. She's very outdoorsy. Okay. I am not at all. Someone for our wedding got us a tent uh-huh. and in a perfect world, I will never be inside that tent. <laughs> are you an outdoors person? I was raised by people who are outdoorsy. Like, I have my moments, but I'm very much, if we're going to go camping, I want somebody who at least owns a pop-up camper. And it's not a, it's not like a glamping thing. I have to be in this ritzy cabin. I just, I don't need to be one with nature all the time. Mm-hmm. And... But my my grandfather uh, had a farm and trained racehorses and oh. and one of my uncles was a really big hunter and like just gun cases like all around. Have you ever and fired a gun? One time. That is one time more than I have. <laughs> this was how I realized that that's just not me. So mm-hmm. my brother was in the army and did a couple tours of Iraq and if there was ever an award for gun safety, my brother would get it. Like he oh, okay. takes it so very serious and and treats it with the respect it deserves. I was down in Texas. He was stationed at Fort Hood. And uh, we have family down there that have a lot of acres. And he's like, you know what? Let's go out to the woods. I'll show you how to use it. And we'll go through it. And I was like, okay, I'm a grown up. I'm in my mid to late 20s. I can do this. And he shows me all the things. We go out and I point it and I pull the trigger. And it was as if my finger was directly connected to my tear ducts. Because as soon as I pulled the trigger, I just started crying like a baby. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. We weren't hunting anything. There There was no stakes. And I was like, yeah. This is not for me. But I look at Robert Jenkins. Robert Jenkins loves guns. Wonderful comedian. Yes. Robert Jenkins. Yes. If you are if you are not familiar with the comedian Robert Jenkins, do yourself a favor. And Again, <laughs> find his alias because <laughs> he's always getting banned from yes. Facebook. Uh, we did talk about that. Uh, Rob J Comedy on Instagram has <laughs> has so far been been the safe space, but he is very much uh, as well very into gun safety. Right. But he enjoys them and he likes going to the range, and it is it is an activity for him. And I know that there are a lot of people listening that are into hunting and. And all of that stuff, I just, I don't, I don't have that in my DNA. My feeling on guns is 
the same as my feeling on olives. They're not. <laughs> oh, for, I'm so excited to hear yeah, where this goes. They're not for me, but if someone else is into them, so be it. I love it. I absolutely love it. My thoughts on guns are exactly the same as my thoughts on olives. You know, if that's what you're into and you're being safe, more power to you. And especially hunters and looking at it from that aspect, you know, it there are real reasons. It's yep. not just always um, for funsies. But when we talk about people who are into hunting and for a reason, for sport or just for, for passion, that's not just inclusive of able-bodied people right yeah, you know absolutely. everybody everybody likes everything and uh there is a there is a place in northern nuego county there's 650 acres of wilderness with a fully accessible lodge mm-hmm. for disabled hunters That's and wonderful. their caregivers it's called hunt to heal and it's a nonprofit offering hunters with severe mobility disabilities their chance to get back into the woods and experience nature. It's the brainchild of, and Carson, if you are listening, I apologize to you. I apologize to your family. I'm going to to mispronounce your last name. But I'm going to no. take a stab at it, too. Okay. I'm going to go with Carson Nyanhus. Oh, that's what I was going to oh. say. <laughs> So fingers crossed that we were both at least close. He unfortunately was paralyzed in a motorcycle accident, but he loves hunting and he helped design the lodge. There are four unique rooms. Each of them have wider doors, zero gradient showers, accessible sinks, toilets, even the hunting blinds have been built to be wheelchair accessible. I know. And the best part is that it's free to every hunter. I think this hunt to heal is really important, too, because aside from accidents, the human body does not wear out at the same time. And there are people that are still totally with it mentally, but they might just not have the ability to do things that they used to do physically. Exactly. this is great. Yeah. This is really good. You know, I, I, I think it's awesome that someone would turn a tragedy like a debilitating motorcycle accident into something that is going to help so many other people. I'm in awe of our fellow Michiganders. Yeah. Working on this show has really shown that light to me. And and the way that you phrased it, I, I love that so much to take a personal tragedy, but turn it into something that's going to help a lot of people. And Joanne Ewald is also an example of that. She created Mend on the Move back in 2015. Now, Joanne is an abusive survivor herself. So that was her personal tragedy. But as she moved towards healing, she always dreamed of starting a nonprofit to empower women who had similar experiences. And so she created Mend on the Move. And what it is, is it uses scrap metal, leather, other discarded and and donated pieces from uh, local car companies. And she takes those parts and the, the women get together and they make jewelry to sell. Then the products are available on the website and they have wholesale opportunities for businesses. But then all of that money then goes back into supporting other women. And, and so, you know, it's a cyclical thing. But it really is 
it's inspiring and and heartwarming to see that that people are able to see past themselves. And yeah. I am very thankful and grateful that I have not um, experienced tragedy on the same level as some of these other people. But I really hope that if I am ever faced with that, that that is my instinct too. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really in awe of, of all of these people. I want to pat myself on the back for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, Please do. When married before my ex-wife and I were going to fertility doctors to work Mm -hmm. on trying Mm -hmm. to have a baby and stuff. And I 100% recognize that what guys have to go through just on regular checkups with a doctor mm-hmm. is nothing compared to what a woman has to go through. Right. But going to urologists is a little bit more, you know, invasive than a, a regular, you know, healthy checkup and everything. And I would talk in depth, you know, my stand up is just oversharing, really. Yeah. <laughs> and um I did a show one time at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase when I was talking about that uh, during that period in my life. And a group of guys who met from an infertility support group happened to be in the show. And they came up to me afterwards and they were like, you found a way to find humor in something. And that is one of those moments that sticks with me forever. As it should. Because that sort of connection is what all of this is about. I'm so yeah. glad yeah. that that you did and I'm and I'm glad that you shared. I'm all I'm all warm and fuzzy. Yeah, I really want to see some of this art. Mendonthemove.org. That's another ability that I don't have to be able to look at something like scrap metal mm-hmm. and see the potential. Right. In it. Oh, that could be jewelry. Yes. How and the what and the yeah. Yeah, we're gonna keep that that theme of uh, taking tragedy and and turning it into um, something to to help other people. And I talked with a great woman. Uh, her name is Katie Papke, and she experienced some abuse in in her life, and she has been able to turn that into an education. She is educating other people for. Um, signs to look out for in abusive relationships, instances of human trafficking, other concerns that are happening in, in uh, we'll say, power struggle relationships. But she works with some great teams and has some really beneficial programs. Um, so I'm excited for you to, to meet Katie. This is going to be a powerful one, I yeah. imagine. I yeah. can't wait to hear uh, right after this. Hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Good. Being here. Uh, So, Katie, you are definitely a very, very, very busy woman. I'm, I'm looking at the list of things that you have done and that you work on, and, uh, and I don't know if we have enough time to even just read this list. You are so, so very busy. How do you, how do you manage all of the different things that you do? Work-life balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a mother first. That's the most important. Taking care of the household. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Taking care of me. Self-care is so important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How many, how many kids do you have? Two. Oh, how old? Eight and 14 girls. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. that kudos to you. 
Absolutely. Kudos to you. Well, I know that doing all of the things that you do, it, it's, it definitely has to start from a place of passion. And um, I know that, you know, touching on, on just some of the, the broad strokes, if you're looking at, you know, working with, with teenagers and raising teenagers, um, working with adults that have substance abuse and overall um, focusing on human trafficking, like even just those words are so powerful. And to say that you, that you work on human trafficking awareness, that's, that's a very strong, it's a powerful statement. How do you, how do you explain human trafficking in a, in a layman's way? Because I feel like we are such a, we are a society that is that is used to law and order and CSI and what we've seen on TV, but we all know that that's not, that that's not real life. Um, so how do you explain human trafficking on a, in a real world scale? In a real world, world scale without getting into technical definition mm-hmm. is the exploitation of a vulnerable minor or adult where the use of somebody uses some type of force, like physical force, Mm-hmm. Fraud, where like they're misrepresenting um, what they're getting into, or they appeal as like that romantic partner who wants to buy them and favor them with things, or coercion, which is also manipulation, you know, threats to their family if they don't comply, threats to bringing this public if they don't comply. And then that's induced through either commercial sex acts or forced labor. So, and exploitation. Exploitation. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, being born and raised here in Michigan, it I feel very much, you know, I, I know my neighbors and I grew up in a, in a fairly small town and I've always had this, it can't happen here kind of mentality. Um, and I feel a lot of people do. What do you say? What do you say to that? Is it actually happening here? You know, or is this something that, that we only need to worry about in, in New York and LA? Right. No. And that is the scary thing. It is happening all over the state of Michigan. The problem is, is that human trafficking is considered to be called hidden in plain sight, right? So a human trafficking victim can come and present to either a healthcare facility, um, any kind of uh, like a church, any grocery store, they can come present and look like you and me. Mm -hmm. And they might not even think or believe that they're in a trafficking situation, which is the scariest thing of all. Yes. So there's a whole part of grooming, which is part of that first part of like um, the exploitation process mm-hmm. of getting, you know, into your good graces, false promises, hope to make lots of money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a grooming phase towards this exploitation. Sexting in the commercial online sex um, industry is a huge indicator that something could possibly happen when it comes mm-hmm. to human trafficking. Right. And so that really, really impacts our youth here in Michigan as well. The other thing about human trafficking in Michigan is that um, it can happen not only in the bigger cities like Detroit, Jackson, Lansing, Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. It happens in rural counties as well. And uh, all it takes is just having that being that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and having a, uh, a need. You know, traffickers fill a need. They provide shelter. They provide safety. They provide money. 
Mm-hmm. They provide lucrative career choices and possibilities, and they provide hope. Everybody wants that, right? Right. And so right. preying on those vulnerabilities is how traffickers keep their victims stuck. And that's why I say it's hidden in plain sight. How have you seen, because uh, I know that you've been uh, kind of working in this field and, and following this for a while, how have you seen the rise of online dating and dating apps to kind of correlate with that? Is there, have you seen it increase? Is there, is there any connection there? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, and it can just act like as innocent, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many catfishing and scams, right? On these online dating apps. Um, and also even, you know, think about um, some of the games that uh, young kids can play mm-hmm. that have the chatting feature. You never know who you're chatting to. These mm-hmm. kids will exchange phone numbers. And then the next thing they know, they are being coerced to send nude pictures or sexting type pictures. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the state of Michigan, um, any minor in the state of Michigan who sends a sexting picture is actually illegal, even if it's from minor to minor. And oh. so, yes, yes. And so, um, you know, the kids, parents, educators, you know, a lot of us are not aware of those things. And so then that grooming comes into play where it's like, you need to send me these pictures or I'm going to tell on you, I'm going to tell your mom, right? Mm. So not only can that lead to um, sexual exploitation, but it can go into the form of trafficking because you never know where those pictures are being sent to, those videos are being sent to. I know I have a, um, a client of mine who spent $5,000 trying to remove the video cams that she did for a pimp, a trafficker mm. online. And she says, you know, I tried, but you never know what's still hidden there in the black web. Right. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. it's, once it's out there and there's, mm-hmm. there's no way to know when it's, when it's going to pop up, where it's going to pop up, you know, how it's going to, going to come back. You mentioned, you know, that you're, you're a mom first and how does that, how, how, how do you explain that to to your daughters without then creating you know there's that there's that thin line between knowledge and an awareness and then instilling fear. Um, mm-hmm. How do you balance that in your, in your communications with your daughters? Yeah. Well, the majority of time too, people have this stigma that it is human smuggling, that it's that grab and take of your kid, the white van myth, mm-hmm. right? So you're at the mall and they're just going to take your kids. Absolutely not. That is not as much common as you would think. Unfortunately, the most common type of trafficking is actually within a family member. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there is a fine line to me do as I, I educate them about grooming. That's what I really, I start with that, you know, the exploitation Mm -hmm. of, you know, potential dangerous situations. I don't want to scare them. I remind them often that about body image and about physical and safe touch. Um, I talk to them about safe people. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk to them, you know, now that they have phones and online gaming apps, they are not allowed to chat or talk to anybody unless they know who they are and that I've seen them. Yeah, I've seen them or they know them from school and they've seen them physically. Some other things I do is just general awareness of their surroundings. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And to trust their gut instinct when they feel like something's not right. But you're right. There's a, there is a fine line between that scare tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my kids know I work in human trafficking education prevention, so they yeah. know more than they really should. <laughs> But, you know, parents can really just kind of start with having a genuine conversation with them, mm-hmm. um, creating safety nets, safety plans, you know, if, you know, if this scenario happens um, and they might say, oh, no, 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 mom, this will never happen to me. No, dad, this will never happen to me. Okay. Okay. But we're doing this just in case. Right. Just in case. And also, you know, it's safe too. having a safe word, having a safety plan. It's not like, okay, we're going to meet in the middle of the month. And if you don't show up, I'm going to send the cops. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's way more than that. Right. It's about, you know, it's about family planning of safety. Yeah. And it's something, you know, I remember as a kid, my dad would walk us through fire planning. So if there's a fire, here's where we're all going to go. And here's the window. And here's how we're going to get out of the house in case of a fire. Thankfully, we never had a fire in the house, but it's not something that we didn't discuss and that we didn't talk about. And same thing when I started driving, you know, putting, Mm -hmm. putting things in the car and understanding how to use a flare and Again, I've never had to use a road flare, knock on wood, but it is, it's planning for those things that you, that you hope will never happen and that you, you don't want to happen, but awareness and, and making sure that you're, you know, you're keeping your head on a swivel and that, you know, (laughs) and you're not afraid to talk about it. I think that that's across a lot of topics. I think, I think that's the the biggest thing. And that's why I think what you're doing is so great. Um, because I do think that there is a lot of, when you say human trafficking to someone, they're picturing a big boat with crates of, of women locked up, you know, being shipped over from Russia or something to that effect. And, and it is, it is much more um, tangible and, and much more at home. I know another side of doing something that is so intense um, and is so powerful is usually that comes from a place of, of connection or, or a familiarity. You kind of go with what you know and you, you go with, with what rings true to you. So what is your connection to, to human trafficking here in Michigan? Absolutely. So my connection to human trafficking is that when I left um, and graduated high school here in Michigan and Grand Rapids, I left and went down to Fort Myers, Florida. And I, um, <laughs> yay, Florida. I started college mm-hmm. and I started hanging out with individuals who were not on college campus. And um, I got solicited into working within the sex industry. And the next thing I know, I was caught in a human trafficking situation that I could not get out of, Mm. you know, and there was signs there. There was Mm -hmm. signs of vulnerability. When I went down there, I was newly sober and I was isolated. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any social supports down there. I was always attracted to older guys Men mm-hmm. yep. and instantly fell for somebody who I thought was a little bit wealthier, had connections and friends. You know, he he roped me right in when mm-hmm. I was age 18. You know, and and um, you know, the things he said to get me to be under that persuasion are the most scariest things because it's something any boyfriend and girlfriend would want to hear. And you know, about like how beautiful and how much I could make money-wise, and have you considered this? And and then the next thing I know is if you do this, if you don't 
do these things, I will call your parents. I will call school. I will hurt you. Mm-hmm. I will hurt you. I'll make you do these things. You can do this, but if you don't do that, then I'm going to make you do this. Right. You know, right. Very exploitive. And that's what kept me stuck. Eventually, somebody I knew called my parents and said, you need to come get your daughter. Um, my parents had no idea what was going on. Um, that happened for two and a half years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There was signs, you know, people were like, well, what are the signs that you can see when you were younger? You know, and, and there is no one particular sign. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. It's a combination of things. You know, for me, it was my personality. I was rebellious. I was into old dating older boys. Mm-hmm. In eighth grade, I was dating a senior in high school. Yeah. And very provocative dressing, constantly being told I'm beautiful early in, um, into drugs and drinking and partying and trying to get away from with things and genuinely manipulating guys with my body so I can get things. And so I can feel better. Right. You know, lots of anger, fighting legal problems. You know, it's just a, it's looking at a holistic view. It's also looking at like, what else is going on with this child or this adult? Mm -hmm. You know, this might most um, human trafficking cases, especially related to sex industry, present as domestic violence and intimate partner violence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Childhood abuse, but labor trafficking might present as, you know, um, something where they, you know, they're working for their family. They're, um, they um, are afraid to be deported. They're afraid that if they don't work this many hours, they will get fired. And this is their only lifeline to finances. You know, those, those things, you know, present to like a healthcare facility or um, any other kind of, you know, professional um, interaction and looking at the bigger picture, like, okay, this identifies in my mind as a myth, you know, it identifies as something else. Mm-hmm. Like for example, any of substance abuse, you know, it could be, oh, that's related to their drug lifestyle, right? Okay. But are they using substances to cope with their lifestyle? Right. Are they involved in a pimp and prostitute relationship? Because that's human trafficking. And then it creates that need case scenario. So whether it's money to buy drugs or as a drug supplier, then you've got that that dependent dependee scenario. And like you said, you know, if you do this, then I will give you this, or if you don't do this, then I'm not going to give you this. And yeah, it, I, I can definitely see that, that perpetual cycle that, Mm -hmm. yeah. Until you have someone that, that steps in, you mentioned that distribution of, of any minor photos, uh, like the, the nude photos, Mm -hmm. um, are, is, is illegal here in Michigan. Are there any other laws that are currently on the books in regards to to human trafficking as as people are becoming more aware of this um, mm-hmm. overall? Yeah, well, in child, any youth age 17 and younger that okay. is um, involved in human trafficking, force, fraud, and coercion do not have to be identified. They do not have to be part of the situation, mm-hmm. but all of it is forms of child abuse. So any type of mandated reporter or anybody individual can call CPS or they can get the police involved right away. The other part is the vulnerable adult within adult protective services too. So okay. that kind of exploitation, especially financial exploitation is how some of it can start. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so then, you know, you have your vulnerable adult. If a person presents to a healthcare facility with like a gunshot, stabbing wound or anything like that, mm-hmm. that all also requires a uh, a call to law enforcement. 
Okay. But, and that, you know, and then again, it's looking at the bigger picture, right. Of what this is. Right. Um, there's more and more protection um, and safe harbor laws that are happening within human trafficking realm. But um, unfortunately, many human trafficking victims get uh, prosecuted for things that are used for their trafficking situation, like substance, you know, use it, use and um, prostitution charges. And so, so someone, so someone may reach out for help in a human trafficking case, just to make sure that I understand what you're saying. They may reach out for help in a human trafficking. And then ultimately they would get busted for, you know, their involvement in prostitution or mm-hmm. for their, okay. Yeah, and many of them protect their trafficker. They protect their pimp for mm-hmm. fear of repercussions. So if someone is listening to this and they can relate to this for themselves or they can relate to some of what you're saying in someone else, what would you recommend they do? Who could they reach out to? What should they be looking for? What should their next steps be? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, if it's it's anybody can call what is called the National Human Trafficking Hotline, and that is a confidential toll-free hotline. Um, it's actually the number is 888-373-7888. And again, that's 888-373-7888. Um, again, that's confidential. It doesn't necessarily mean that law enforcement will be called. A lot of people are very scared of having law enforcement involvement, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. They have been course to to not understand right um, you know and um you know there's also local resources and the local resources are you know you're they're generally going to be in the bigger cities but you know michigan has a resource hub and book for um for providers there's a lot of task forces um, within um, different counties uh, for human trafficking. And they also have resources. Some of them have connect, you know, direct numbers that you can contact. And um, the other thing is, is that, you know, presenting and talking to individuals at a local domestic violence shelter, mm-hmm. a lot of them see human trafficking cases and a lot of all of their staff are usually educated on human trafficking. Okay. So I know that you are um, also a vice president on the board of, of Sacred Beginnings, uh, which is uh, out in Grand Rapids, right? Right. And and what is, what is Sacred Beginnings? Absolutely. So Sacred Beginnings was founded by um, a human trafficking survivor. Her name is Leslie King, and she's the executive director. And Leslie had a vision to have a, a place a transitional housing safe haven for females mm-hmm. who identify as female and trans female for transitional housing. So we have two transitional housing um, units that are very recovery oriented, trauma informed. He- Sacred Beginnings is actually the first survivor led nonprofit agency that directly works with uh, victims and survivors of human trafficking in Michigan. Oh, uh, yeah. And then Reese, and we've been open since 2005. Recently, we just opened a drop-in center here in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan. Our goal is to be open 24-7 for victims and survivors of human trafficking. It's a safe haven, um, and it's used to meet uh, their basic needs in addition to offer trauma and and peer support, and it's um, 100% survivor-led drop-in center. So when you you say drop-in center, that means literally just drop-in anytime if... You know, if I'm if I'm in 
you know, realize that I'm in the middle of a, of a bad situation and I need, I need a way out and I happen to be in Grand Rapids, I can show up at three in the morning and, and someone will be there. Well, our goal is to open 24 seven. Okay. We're still working on the funding for that. But right now, yeah, our hours are 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday okay. through Friday and some Saturdays and Sundays hours. That's, that's amazing. How can someone learn more about Sacred Beginnings? And more importantly, if there are people listening out there who thankfully are not considering themselves a victim, but would love to support whether financially or, or helping to get the word out. How can people, how can people join the cause and be a part? Yeah, absolutely. So our phone number is 616-443-6233. That's 616-443-6233. We also have a Facebook page where they can message us directly, as well as visit our website, www.sb as in boy, T as in Tom, P as and Paul. So Sacred Beginnings uh, Transitional Program. So sbtb.org. Perfect. And for those listening, we will have all of those links and numbers in the description. So you can, you can reach out and you can connect with Katie and the rest of the team that is doing some really great, great things. Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I so appreciate everything that you're doing, all of the information that you're, that you're helping get out there. And yes, all of the the links and the phone numbers we will make available in the description uh, for people to reach out to you. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for having me. Wow, that. Yeah, it's, it's something that without making it too personal or anything, but I feel like a lot of women have had instances or have had situations where now they're looking back on it in hindsight and going, oh, that could have taken a turn. Yeah. And and really, it's it's just setting that language, uh, just that slight tweak. I'm really I'm really glad to know that that people like Katie are are out there. This has been a heavy episode, but I'm really glad you had that conversation. That, uh, wow. Yeah, they're they're hard conversations to have, but they really need to be had. You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, no one was talking about this. And so it was, there was that idyllic like, oh, but this older man is into me. And Mm -hmm. so I must be special and I must be this. But as we as a society continue to talk more and more about it. I hope that it's it's more of a no. That's yeah. that. Uh-uh, that's that's not how how this should be viewed. So I'm I'm looking ahead to the future, and I'm yeah. really happy. Having been a, uh, a hormone crazed young man in his twenties, <laughs> quite some time ago, when people started feeling more comfortable talking about some of these things. I really felt a need to go back to people in my past and just say, Hey, is there anything I need to apologize for? Because I kind of feel like I do. And I feel very fortunate that across the board, everyone said, Nope, if anything, I always felt safe around you. And that makes me feel really good because I also know in my head, I was trying to angle for, right. you know, hey, right. let's turn this friendship into something more, <laughs> you know, which is a gross thing. But guys in their 20s, a lot of times are kind of gross. 
and especially if they're nerdy and have no game. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that the takeaway for me from that is in the same way that and this may be a, a weird tangent, but we're going uh back to another episode. No, that was earlier in this episode. My my brain's getting uh guns and olives is when I was very concerned about being a bad mom, someone told me the fact that you are concerned about being a bad mom by definition means that you are not a bad mom. It is simply that awareness. And I think that if everyone took a second and put that lens, that same lens that you were just talking about, is there anything that I did that I should maybe apologize for? Putting that lens of awareness on it would help all of us because it's just taking that moment to say, what if did I, maybe I did. That'll make us better. Well, (laughs) here's a a stretch of a segue. Mm -hmm. Our musical guest this week to close out the episode is a fellow comedian friend of ours (gasps) who is in his twenties. And I do not get a creepy vibe from him at all. Jake not only is a, very thoughtful comedian and gracious human being, but he is also an insanely talented musician. He posted something online because he had entered a contest and I listened to the song and voted for him and then immediately found him on Instagram and started following him on Instagram. And I reached out to him for this and asked if we could play this song it's uh called loh his name is jake ford and he is a tremendously talented and wonderful human being so please check him out and we'll see you next time on great lake celebrates Yeah.